Hey everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie, and I am here with my partner in crime, sister, and uh, best friend too. Christy, hello, how are you? Hello, I'm great, how are you? I'm good. I'm cold. Yeah, it's we winter here in Idaho. It is, it is. It chilling. happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know every year we're sort of shocked, but we lived our whole lives and we really should be used to it. But <laughs> whenever it happens, we're like, shit, it's here again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I know. Now I kind of, now this is really stupid, but I, now I kind of wish we'd get a really good cold snap, like below zero. Ooh. Because, well, every year, uh, I, when it gets really cold, when it gets below zero and it's going to be for several days, I buy punching bags or punching, not bags, punching balloons, like the really big balloons, you know, and we fill them with water and Kool-Aid so that we get different colors, uh, you know, for the food color effect. And we usually make like, I don't know, 10, 12 of them. I think this year I don't want to make a few more. And we put them out and we line our, from the driveway up to our house with them and let them freeze. And once they're frozen solid, then you, just break the balloons off and you have these big colored ice balls and then we wrap they're rope. very pretty they're beautiful yeah we wrap rope lights around them so that we have this like you know these gorgeous ice balls that uh, lead up to our steps and it's really pretty and so now I'm like all right fine it's snowed it's cold great bring on the sub-zero so I can get my ice going oh man <laughs> Like I can deal with Idaho winters have done my entire life, but it is the sub-zero that's the hardest for me. So I'm like, eh, bite your tongue. I don't know. Well, we didn't get sub-zero. Or kiss my well, foot. Kiss your foot. We, we didn't get our Walter sub-zero. Mason episode and you will know why that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get sub-zero before Christmas last year, so I didn't get to do them. That's right. Yeah. We just didn't get sub-zero until January. But anyway, so hopefully we get it sooner this year, but, uh, or we don't, whatever. But <laughs> I, mm, I don't know. I'm not For sure me, those ice balls are worth it. <laughs> if you haven't lived somewhere that goes below zero, thank yourself <laughs> for living where you do. Because this is not fun. <laughs> yeah, but they are pretty. I mean, they're really pretty. They are really pretty. Okay, they are well, really pretty. They yeah, are. they're not worth it. But yeah, yeah, they're really <laughs> Wow, I was going to say, if you played your cards right, I would make you a few, but wow. Oh, well, I mean, if you were going to make me some, okay. Right? <laughs> See, that's how it is. Anyway, so really, all is well here, but you as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I see that your dogs have gotten new pajamas. My dogs did get new pajamas. I bought do- uh, pajamas for my two dachshunds. And they're th- they're making these dog pajamas now that instead of just a coat that goes halfway down their backs, it's a whole outfit that goes on their front legs and their back legs, which I think is pretty great. My little dogs are little and they are, you know, they, they're short haired. They get cold, speaking of Sub-Zero. And so I like to put them in things in the wintertime that are warmer for them. You know, they don't love the clothes, but they do appreciate the warmth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was pretty pleased about these pajamas. Yeah, they're they're, they're really cute. cute. They look very dapper, yeah. you know. They're, they're adorable and very frustrated. <laughs> yes. Yes, they're they're not so sure they love them, but I they look uh, they look cute. I mean, is that not enough? <laughs> they will learn to love them. They will. Yes. Well, for they sure. stay warm. They 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 I tease them that they're too dumb to know what's best for themselves because, you know, When it's really cold, they need something else to help. Mm -hmm. They don't have much. See, I wish I could put 
coats like that on my chihuahuas, but my old boy Skippy, he doesn't even know if he's cold. He just doesn't. I mean, it's, you know, the <laughs> dementia has know. sent him deeply. But, he doesn't uh, even you know. know if he's at your house or Disneyland. So no, he doesn't. But of course, we work hard to keep him warm. But our other chihuahua is a deer chihuahua. So he really needs it. I mean, he's skinny. He, deer chihuahuas don't have undercoats. Mm-mm. And if you put a coat on that dog, he's paralyzed. He will lower himself to the floor and stay there till you take the coat off. He can't walk in it. He can't move. It's like, yeah, you might as well put a straight jacket on him. He can't do anything. So I love that. So funny. Yeah. Poor little Rico. And so he is the dog weird. that needs it. He's so little and skinny and he has these mm-hmm. tiny skinny legs. These really long skinny legs. But yeah, he mm-hmm. definitely, he could use some pajamas. He could, he could totally use some pajamas. And I've thought before, maybe if I put something on him and just leave it on him long enough, he'll get used to it. No, no, he does not. It just, <laughs> it ruins his life. There's nothing. Yeah. So we just go outside for really quick potty breaks and come right back in. And that's just how it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. He's not neurotic. <laughs> he is the most neurotic dog I've ever met. He yeah. is terrified of everything. Mm-hmm. When you're that little, I guess, you know, everything seems huge and monstrous and like you live with giants and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. That's how it is. Well, I have a case to present, Christy, to you. Ah, so okay. I'm going to present the case and Christy's going to cold read it. So this is the case of Ruth Elizabeth. <laughs> wow. Ruth Elizabeth Baumgartner. Okay. She was a senior art major at Ohio Wesleyan University in 1937. She belonged to, yeah, she belonged to the Delta 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 or the Tri-Delt sorority. Mm. She had her own room in the Austin Hall on the Ohio Wesleyan campus. And, you know, she was a senior. She was, uh, you know, doing all the things. She had been really stressed and really tired. She'd written a letter to her parents and told them that she was worried that she wasn't going to have enough credits to graduate and that she had a lot to do and that she was feeling really worn out and had put that in the mail and sent them to them, that letter to them. Well, on May 4th, her sorority sister saw her a little after 11, uh, headed to bed to study, to her room to study. They said she had her hair up in curlers and pins and was just acting normal. Remember curlers and pins? I do. My grandma used Mm them. Yeah. yeah. She sure did. (laughs) Yeah. And she acted normal. Uh, Sometime before midnight, she came back out of her room uh, with an overnight case and said goodbye to her friends and has never been seen or heard from again. So the next Mm -hmm. day, they, you know, I think they assumed she was just going home. Mm-hmm. Uh, to her parents' house. They were in Lakewood, Ohio. I, but the next day, she didn't go to class. So when her sorority sisters realized uh, that she hadn't been to class all day, they called campus security at 1030 in the evening. And so that started an investigation. They found her key sitting on the back corner of a staircase in the Austin Hall where she lived. Um, they don't know if she left it there or who, but it was just sitting there. She had a brand new red Dodge car and it was sitting in her parking space uh, with the keys in the ignition, totally undisturbed. Mm. Her bedroom was in perfect order, totally cleaned up. 
bed made absolutely spotless, which apparently, according to her sorority sisters, was totally unlike her. Mm. <laughs> Usually her bedroom was a wreck, <laughs> but no, it was all cleaned and put together. Uh, her alarm clock was set for 6 a.m. and it had apparently run down because uh, she didn't, she wasn't there. Uh, they think that she didn't have more than like $5 in cash. According to her parents, they didn't think she would have any more than that. Of course, $5 in 1937 is a little different than $5 now, but mm -hmm. her watch, her sorority pin and some loose change were in her room. So she didn't have any of that with her. Uh, they think perhaps she did have her purse. I initially her family thought, and I don't know why they, there's nothing to support why they thought this. They thought she was having an amnesia event and that she had wandered off. Hmm. So I don't know if that's happened before. I can't find any information as to why they would have come up with that theory, hmm. but that's what her family claimed. She doesn't, doesn't feel true to me at all. Yeah. No. It's just an odd theory, but at any rate, uh, People started, this manhunt started immediately, and people started reporting that they thought they saw her in Delaware, but none of those sightings were confirmed, and they just didn't know. Uh, authorities thought maybe she left on her own accord. Uh, sorority sisters reported that the day she disappeared, there were three calls for her that she did take from an unidentified man. Mm-hmm. However, I think she had a John Haynes. Okay. She had a fiance in her hometown. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't him that was calling. Mm -hmm. So at any rate, they didn't know. Nobody, nobody knows. A local resident said that who lived near the campus, she said that she heard screams between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. on May 5th. But there's no evidence as to what that was or why. Then, a little bit later, interestingly, too, when this came out in the newspaper, her uh, disappearance, it was the same paper that ran the uh, information or, or ran the story about the Hindenburg crash. Mm. It happened at the same time. Oh, wow. Not that it was, uh, you know, related, just interesting. Same yeah. time in history as the Hindenburg. Wow. So they search and search. So then later on in 1938, so a year later, actually January 4th, 1938, so about nine months later, eight months later, four men were arrested uh, that were charged with murdering a Ohio Highway Patrolman. And one of those men told the police that he and his associates kidnapped Ruth and forced her into prostitution. The police uh, investigated mm -hmm. that. They investigated everything that he said, and they decided that that wasn't true at all. It doesn't read true to me at all. I don't feel like that's true. I feel like that was some kind of weird grandstanding. Criminals do that sometimes. That's bizarre yeah. to me. But why or you an take attempt credit for at something a you didn't do. Yes, or an attempt at a plea, maybe, yeah, or something. Anyway, I don't feel then that's true. in 1938, Ruth's parents contact the authorities and ask them to please close her case. And 
there's no information as to why. There's been a lot of speculation out there about why did she come home? Did they figure out where she was? There's no Ruth moving forward that we know of. But for some reason, or, or was it just too painful and they just needed it to be over? We don't know. There is a lot of speculation about why the police, uh, their two thoughts were either that she had a lover that she left with or, well, actually, I'm going to let you go ahead and read it and then I'll tell you what some of the other speculations are. But so that's, that's all we really know. I mean, there's, there's really no evidence beyond that as to what happened to Ruth. And then of course there's that speculation about why did her parents ask for the case to be closed? So how about it? Okay. So the man she spoke to that day, I have a very clear name and I don't often get names or I only get a first name. The name John Haynes just keeps coming up. I do feel like he was quite a bit older than her. And I feel like he had sucked her in. She thought she was going off on a little romantic getaway with him. I do feel that she fully intended to come back and that this wasn't in her mind that she was going to be gone forever. Um, but I do feel like it was a little bit reckless and it was a little bit um, impulsive on her part, but that she thought she was in love with this man. Um, I do feel that he killed her. Um, I do feel she is dead and that he did kill her uh, at the time that this all went down. I, I don't feel like um, her body will ever be found because nobody knew who this guy was. Nobody even knew to look for him. Mm -hmm. But I feel like he preyed on um, college women and that he seemed very uh, mysterious and romantic and worldly kind of kind of guy and really sucked her in and got her to go on this overnight trip with him in which he raped and killed her. Um, I do feel he buried her body somewhere in the wilderness and that no one even knew where to look for her because they didn't know him or that he had picked her up or anything. But I feel like she, she was gone that night mm -hmm. that she wasn't, you know, she wasn't off with a lover running around the world kind of thing. I don't feel like that's the case at all. I do feel like her family just came to the decision that she was dead, that, that she was dead and she wasn't coming back and that they couldn't handle the pain of the investigation anymore that they fully believed that she was not returning. And at that point, they just didn't want to go through it anymore. I don't feel like they got any information about her or that they knew anything. I just feel like they went, we can't do this anymore. It's too painful. And, you know, with all this time, this is so unlike her. She's, she's gone. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that rings true to me in that uh, the speculations that were made about her and and yet again we see a, a really common thread here in making the victim uh out to be an undesirable right right so first of all there was you know the man who claimed that they forced her into a prostitution ring and that was deeply embarrassing for her family mm -hmm. and you know the, the, the thought that that's would be the case, you know, and of course it was proven to be untrue anyway, but that was deeply embarrassing and painful for them. The other going theory was that she was pregnant and that's why she was writing her parents, telling them that she was so tired. And though her sorority sister said she didn't act any 
out of the ordinary at all. She was uh, getting ready to perform and she was a singer getting ready to perform. She'd been practicing and practicing. She was studying for tests. She was writing papers. She was acting completely normal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of college seniors are tired and stressed. That's pretty normal. Yeah. You know? But right. the other thought was that she was pregnant and that this unknown man that had been calling was uh, that this was for an abortion and that she was mm. up for some kind of, you know, backdoor abortion. And that's what this was about. No, no, not at all. This was yeah. very innocent on her part. She f- thought she had fallen in love with this mysterious man and was taking a little overnight getaway with him. Mm-hmm. And she thought that's what she was doing. And she thought she would come back to her life mm-hmm. and that she would come back to her room and her family and her school and everything. She had no idea. I, I feel like she, you know, went into this fully with full trust of the situation and had no idea mm-hmm. that she was dealing with a very dangerous person. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think she left her key? I think that was accidental. My sense of it is that she was really excited that she stopped to speak to someone that she, it wasn't intentional to leave it behind. Uh, I, you know, she, she was returning. I have every, mm-hmm. every sense tells me that she was coming back in her mind. She would be back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that makes sense to me. And, and that makes sense to me. All of that uh, rings true to me as to why her parents asked for the investigation to be closed. Yeah. Because, uh, the theories were degrading to her and to, to them. And it was. So and I just feel like they them. knew it was so out of character for her to mm-hmm. just disappear and not contact them. Like this is not yeah. the kind of relationship that they had that they knew she was gone. Yeah. They would have been hearing from her if she was still living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. What a case. Yeah. yeah really sad. Just really well, sad. yeah, she had everything going for her. You know, she, did. she was she was a senior, she was gifted, she was beloved, she had a lot of friends, you know, there were she had a lot of things going and she and she was engaged. But I feel like the engagement must have been kind of a maybe it was a, a high school flame or you know she was really looking for some adventure. Yeah, looking for some excitement. I feel like she yeah. was and that somebody came across her that was, you know willing to offer that and that that's that's what she thought she was doing yeah. she had no idea she was you know stepping into her own death with this person yeah i'm sure okay well thank you very much for reading that and of course in 1937 uh you know obviously ruth's family is probably mostly passed on at this point though uh you know i hope that her parents found some kind of peace at some point for sure Mm -hmm. and her sorority sisters i can only imagine uh how it felt to have one of their own vanish you know from their dorm you know it's got to be terrifying yeah for sure all righty well that is it for this episode but you guys as you may notice we now have episodes coming out on mondays tuesdays and wednesdays and then live streams on Wednesday nights and Thursday nights. And if you're podcast listeners, you get uh, the recordings of those live streams, of course, on Thursday morning and Friday morning. So five episodes a week from us now. That's our new format that we started last week and had lots of great feedback from you guys that you like that format a lot. So we're just going to keep it rolling. We sure are. Yeah. So of course, uh, you know, if you don't follow us on YouTube, come over here and check us out. Uh, 
like, follow, share. What else can we say? You know, that's that's the stuff that helps us along. You can come find us on Patreon. We do have two uh, extra episodes or, you know, extra content anyway on Patreon every month. If you want to support us that way, we always support that or uh, appreciate that a lot as well. Mm -hmm. And we'll be back with another episode shortly. So thank you so much for being here. You've been listening to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye, guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.